Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in and being part of the little show that I have going on. We are up to episode, gosh, I think it's 233, maybe 232. It's climbing, and we continue to get really cool people to come on and share their journey as entrepreneurs. And we've interviewed people who are CEOs of large companies, and we've interviewed writers and coaches and solopreneurs and everybody who is in between. And every single time we try to walk away with just a little more knowledge and maybe a little inspiration of what those of us who are out there trying to be entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, or if we work inside a company and we just have that entrepreneurial spirit, if we can just walk away with some fresh ideas and maybe a little kick in the pants to keep us going. So today, my guest is Michael Hudson. Now, Michael is a writer and a speaker and a coach and a facilitator, and he has been doing this for a while, and he is going to share with us sort of some ideas about what he has done along the way. And then he also specializes in helping people speak a little bit better, so we might talk a little bit about his tips uh, for being a speaker. And he even has a free download on his website that has some tips if you want to speak better that you can get a hold of. And I'm sure if we ask nicely, he'll tell us how to find his website. So Michael Hudson, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you very much, Tom. It's a pleasure to be with you. So we interview a lot of authors and speakers on this show because that's what I do for a living. And so I'm really active in the National Speakers Association. And over the past eight years of being quite active in that group, I have made some of the closest friends I've ever had in my life. And therefore, I have a lot of my friends on the show. So we talk to a lot of speakers. But why don't you tell us all about your business? Because if I lined up 10 speakers, I'd get 10 different stories of what their business is about. Why don't you tell us about your business and, and what who is Michael Hudson? It's so true, Tom, that we are we are all so different in how we've created our businesses and how we've created success in speaking. And um, my path has been that of, you know, started as a college professor and uh, loved that world, you know, and, and loved the, the teaching aspect. And, you know, when you teach six or seven courses a semester for several years, uh, you do a lot of standing up in places where you really kind of have to connect uh, or else you don't get to keep doing it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, when I when I started on the faculty at the University of Illinois, the first thing that I did was start a consulting business the same day. And so having done that, I found myself speaking a lot, you know, in the work I was doing. And speaking became a real core passion. And, you know, I'm one of those guys that's got the backstory of being petrified to speak as a child. Um, I can't tell you how many times in elementary school when they said show and tell day was tomorrow that tomorrow morning I managed to be sick <laughs> because I just could not bring myself to step to the front of the room. And there's there's a really deeper story behind that that relates to some things that we, we don't need to go into today. But um, it uh, when I finally broke past that, uh, I suddenly became obsessed with it. <laughs> and, and in fact, one of my obsessions is to help other people because, you know, I've had the privilege for gosh, almost 35 years now of working with a wide array of companies and a wide array of capacities, all of which have involved either speaking or facilitating in some way or consulting and coaching. And one of the things I discover again and again is how many people who have achieved a level of success in their career 
have a lid on how much further they can go because they haven't mastered the art of being able to step to the front of the room and say what they need to say. So I do a lot of work with people to try to help them get past that. I have a framework I've developed. I have some tips, as you mentioned, on my website. And um, that, that's really a core passion of mine. And, and that's kind of evolved in recent years to reconnect me. Now, you, you made the reference, Tom, to how different speaking careers are. You know, in 1999, my speaking career took a direction I never envisioned. I was booked at the last minute to fill in for someone who had canceled from a keynote speech that happened to be happening eight miles from my house. And that led me to build a niched business that I ran for 16 years and sold a year and a half ago uh, that was doing strategic planning for a very niched industry, specifically credit unions. And that led me to a lot of speaking at industry, but it was all sort of accidental. So I'm kind of the guy that built the speaking career accidentally, <laughs> but, but always kind of revolving around how can I help others, you know, succeed by communicating more effectively. Sure. Well, you know, it's, it, is, it is fascinating because so many people fall into the speaking business accidentally. I, I went straight after it. I, I went looking for it. But so many of my peers, of our peers, have told me that they just sort of fell into it. And you, know, you were talking about how important it is for people to be able to speak and communicate well if they want to continue to climb that ladder, whether they're an entrepreneur or whether they work for a company. A couple of episodes ago, one of my most popular recent episodes, we had a gentleman by the name of Jim Comer, who is a communications consultant and speech coach to CEOs. And, you know, this is what we talked about was why it is so important. So I just want to jump in and sort of reiterate, you know, what is it about being able to communicate, to speak well, that helps people advance their career? What would be what would be your take on that? Well, Tom, you know, this ties very closely to my core passion and my core belief about success. I, I don't think anybody achieves success unless they can come up with a vision of what success looks like. Otherwise, they end up bogging down in operational details and it can, very, can be very effective at that. But to really achieve a big impact, you've got to have some idea of something that's possible that you see that others don't. Now, if you can do that and create that vision and then speak that vision into existence, you can create massive impact. And you know that may be on a small scale of how you want your department to interact with one another or interface with the customers that you serve. You know That may be as an entrepreneur looking at how you want your business to be 5, 10, 15 years down the road. But if you create that vision of how you want it to be and master that art of communicating it, and, and Tom, I firmly believe this starts first in your mind. You know, in every person I have coached over the years, every student I've worked with, there is always something in their mind that's tripping them up far more than anything external to them is tripping them up. So I believe first you have to master that internal communication of what that vision is and what you can do and think pos about the possibilities and master the ability to communicate that to yourself so you can then communicate it to others and that really you do end up speaking that vision into existence. So so really if people, you know, can improve their speaking skills, my experience has been that other people see them as smarter. Do you think that's true? It, 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 I think it's always arrogant when those of us who speak say that, but it's absolutely <laughs> That's true. right. That's right because people find me brilliant, Michael. It's it's so true it comes up every day just how absolutely well, freaking brilliant I am. No, that's not what I meant, but but I do but it ain't bragging if it's fact, right? <laughs> well, and I I think if we just, you know, look at at public figures, right? People who are well spoken, people go, "Oh, they're they're so brilliant." And and people yes. who aren't as well spoken who might actually be smart people are like oh they're kind of a bumbler and it's like well we're yeah. taking it off of a speech they gave not off of an iq test or you know a knowledge quiz yeah i think there's a really interesting tug there isn't there between sort of presence and polish 
you know, uh, that we tend to give more, I, you know, you, you bring up a story from the past, Tom, for me, that's very vivid. I was the national, an advisor to a student organization, a national student organization. And I will never forget when they had their elections at the annual meeting for officers. And the two people who were elected were the least qualified, had the least ideas about what they were going to do. But when they stepped to the front of the room and did their little campaign speech, <laughs> everyone was riveted because they were engaging, they were alive, they were passionate, they each told a story. And then you had these other two kids who were far more talented, far more accomplished. And they got up there and didn't connect with the audience. And you know who won the election. Yeah, I learned that lesson sort of the hard way when I was a, a junior in high school. I wanted to be president of the drama club. Yeah, I was that geeky kid. And <laughs> I ran against a guy who was kind of the class clown. And I tried to be all serious and I tried to give my speech about why it should be me. And he got up and just cut it up and had fun. And, and he won. And yeah. rightfully so, because he was much more entertaining to be president of the drama club. However, during the, the senior year, he was also one of the, the male yell leaders and was involved with a lot of stuff. And I ended up doing a lot of the work. And at the end of the year, I realized that the guy who gave the best speech got all the credit and uh, I had better learn to give better speeches. <laughs> So my my daughter right now Great is lesson. <laughs> my daughter right now is in college. She's a sophomore, and and she just had emailed me that her first day of class, one of her classes, was her business communication skills class, and you know she was talking about something about it, and I said, you do realize that since your dad's a professional speaker, I expect an A in that class, and, <laughs> and she's like, that's rough, dad, and I'm like, yeah, you probably don't want to tell your teacher that, and and she said she already had, so I said, well, now now <laughs> now the bar is raised. That that's exactly right. So Michael. You've been doing this for a long time, sort of working for yourself and creating your own path in the world. What is it that you absolutely love about the life of an entrepreneur? It's never the same twice. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, every, every day you get a chance to go recreate and reinvent, you know, and, and while the cost of mistakes at time can be high, it, it's a learning opportunity and a chance to sort of redirect. And, and that, that just jazzes me to be able to do that. You know, I'm an idea junkie. Um, I love the ability to every day say, okay, how can I make this idea work for somebody? Does it fit for the organization that hired me to do this? You know, how can I make them better? How can I challenge them and me? And, 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 you know, it, it's, it's nice that, you know, you, you have the privilege of working at home a lot of the time, at least I do. And, uh, you know, we travel and I, we both know that that is less glamorous than some people think it is <laughs> <laughs> to, to say the least. But, um, you know, I meet friends and colleagues and, you know, uh, you run into somebody and they see my wife and I and we're going to the movies at two o'clock in the afternoon. And they're like on a Tuesday and like, don't you work anymore? Did you retire? No. You know, that's part of what's there. So part of what I love is that freedom of life, which isn't to pretend that, you know, we don't work hard. We work very hard. But the ability to pick and choose when you do that is, is one of the big appeals. Um, yeah, a couple of years ago, I was the online host uh, for the National Speakers Association's broadcast of their conference. So it was for the people oh, who couldn't okay. make it to the conference. They had uh, they broadcast the keynotes and some of the, some of the breakouts. And then myself and a business partner, a woman by the name of Eliz Green, we have a company called the Conference Talk Show. And one of the things we do is is we are the online sort of talent or hosts, and we create a talk show during the breaks because the at home audience usually gets like a a screen up that just 
says, we'll be back in a half hour. But yeah. what we did is we kept it going and we interviewed key people in the organization and, and things like that. And one of the people we were supposed to interview, one of the keynoters got stuck with a line of people going, oh, you're so great, and didn't make it over to our booth. And so we didn't have an interview scheduled or we had one scheduled. There was nobody sitting in the chair. And I saw one of my daughters walking by who participates in the National Speakers Association Youth Conference. And I mm-hmm. said, oh, quick, come here, jump in the chair. Let me interview you. And she looked at me like, oh, God. And <laughs> so I interviewed her about what it was like to be the kid of a professional speaker. And the first words out of her mouth, she sort of like, you know, at first she was like, no, do I have to? Do I want to? As soon as the camera goes live and I ask the question, she looks right into the camera and says, well, let me tell you. And I thought, oh, here we go. She says, you're gone a lot. And I thought, yeah. God, we're just throwing me under the bus in front of my peers. <laughs> and then she came back and said, but when you're home, you're home. So like during yes. the summer, we can go to the movies. Like you said that we can go during the day or we can go out to lunch or, you know, if I forgot something, you can drive it to me. And so it was interesting that while I thought her perception was, God, dad's gone too much. Her perception was dad travels a lot, but when he's home, he is 100% home. And that is a lot of freedom that we have in, in our type of jobs. But Michael, is there ever a day where you think, oh, no, 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 no. I wish I had a nine to five. I wish I had a career. So that somebody just give me a paycheck and I wouldn't have to deal with all this. You know, Tom, I, I have to be honest. I haven't had one of those days in years. Nice. Nice. I mean, I've had days where do I really have to do this today? <laughs> but I never stop and go, gosh, I wish I had a nine to five. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for tuning in and being part of the little show that I have going on. We are up to episode, gosh, I think it's 233, maybe 232. It's climbing, and we continue to get really cool people to come on and share their journey as entrepreneurs. And we've interviewed people who are CEOs of large companies, and we've interviewed writers and coaches and solopreneurs and everybody who is in between. And every single time we try to walk away with just a little more knowledge and maybe a little inspiration of what those of us who are out there trying to be entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, or if we work inside a company and we just have that entrepreneurial spirit, if we can just walk away with some fresh ideas and maybe a little kick in the pants to keep us going. So today, my guest is Michael Hudson. Now, Michael is a writer and a speaker and a coach and a facilitator, and he has been doing this for a while, and he is going to share with us sort of some ideas about what he has done along the way. And then he also specializes in helping people speak a little bit better, so we might talk a little bit about his tips uh, for being a speaker. And he even has a free download on his website that has some tips if you want to speak better that you can get a hold of. And I'm sure if we ask nicely, He'll tell us how to find his website. So, Michael Hudson, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you very much, Tom. It's a pleasure to be with you. So we interview a lot of authors and speakers on this show because that's what I do for a living. And so I'm really active in the National Speakers Association. And over the past eight years of being quite active in that group, I have made some of the closest friends I've ever had in my life. And therefore, I have a lot of my friends on the show. So we talk to a lot of speakers. But why don't you tell us all about your business? Because if I lined up 10 speakers, I'd get 10 different stories of what their business is about. Why don't you tell us about your business and, and what who is Michael Hudson? That's so true, Tom. That we are we are all so different. 
in how we've created our businesses and how we've created success in speaking. And um, my path has been that of, you know, started as a college professor and uh, love that world, you know, and, and love the, the teaching aspect. And, you know, when you teach six or seven courses a semester for several years, uh, you do a lot of standing up in places where you really kind of have to connect uh, or else you don't get to keep doing it. <laughs> so uh, when I when I started on the faculty at the University of Illinois, the first thing that I did was start a consulting business the same day. And so having done that, I found myself speaking a lot, you know, in the work I was doing and speaking became a real core passion. And, you know, I have one of those guys that's got the backstory of being petrified to speak as a child. Um, I can't tell you how many times in elementary school when they said show and tell day was tomorrow, that tomorrow morning I managed to be sick <laughs> because I just could not bring myself to step to the front of the room. And there's, there's a really deeper story behind that that relates to some things that we don't, we don't need to go into today. But um, it, uh, when I finally broke past that, uh, I suddenly became obsessed with it. <laughs> and, and in fact, one of my obsessions is to help other people because, you know, I've had the privilege for gosh, almost 35 years now of working with a wide array of companies and a wide array of capacities, all of which have involved either speaking or facilitating in some way or consulting and coaching. And one of the things I discover again and again is how many people who have achieved a level of success in their career have a lid on how much further they can go because they haven't mastered the art of being able to step to the front of the room and say what they need to say. So I do a lot of work with people to try to help them get past that. I have a framework I've developed. I have some tips, as you mentioned, on my website. And um, that, that's really a core passion of mine. And, and that's kind of evolved in recent years to reconnect me. Now, you, you made the reference, Tom, to how different speaking careers are. You know, in 1999, my speaking career took a direction I never envisioned. I was booked at the last minute to fill in for someone who had canceled from a keynote speech that happened to be happening eight miles from my house. And that led me to build a niched business that I ran for 16 years and sold a year and a half ago uh, that was doing strategic planning for a very niched industry, specifically credit unions. And that led me to a lot of speaking in the industry, but it was all sort of accidental. So I'm kind of the guy that built the speaking career accidentally, <laughs> but, but always kind of revolving around how can I help others, you know, succeed by communicating more effectively. Sure. Well, you know, it's, it is, it is fascinating because so many people fall into the speaking business accidentally. I, I went straight after it. I, I went looking for it, but so many of my peers of our peers have told me that they just sort of fell into it. And you, know, you were talking about how important it is for people to be able to speak and communicate well, if they want to continue to climb that ladder, whether they're an entrepreneur or whether they work for a company. A couple of episodes ago, one of my most popular recent episodes, we had a gentleman by the name of Jim Comer, who is a communications consultant and speech coach to CEOs. And, you know, this is what we talked about was why it is so important. So I just want to jump in and sort of reiterate, you know, what is it about being able to communicate, to speak well, that helps people advance their career? What would be, what would be your take on that? Well, Tom, you know, this ties very closely to my core passion and my core belief about success. I, I don't think anybody achieves success unless they can come up with a vision of what success looks like. Otherwise, they end up bogging down in operational details and it can, very, can be very effective at that. But to really achieve a big impact, you've got to have some idea of something that's possible that you see that others don't. Now, if you can do that and create that vision and then speak that vision into existence, you can create massive impact. 
And, you know, that may be on a small scale of how you want your department to interact with one another or interface with the customers that you serve. You know, that may be as an entrepreneur looking at how you want your business to be 5, 10, 15 years down the road. But if you create that vision of how you want it to be and master that art of communicating it, and, and Tom, I firmly believe this starts first in your mind. You know, in every person I have coached over the years, every student I've worked with, there is always something in their mind that's tripping them up far more than anything external to them is tripping them up. So I believe first you have to master that internal communication of what that vision is and what you can do and think about the possibilities and master the ability to communicate that to yourself so you can then communicate it to others. And that really you do end up speaking that vision into existence. So, so really, if people you know can improve their speaking skills, my experience has been that other people see them as smarter. Do you think that's true? It, 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 I think it's always arrogant when those of us who speak say that, but it's absolutely <laughs> that's true. right. That's right because people find me brilliant, Michael. It's it's so true. It comes up every day just how absolutely freaking brilliant I am. No, that's not what I meant, but but I do. But it th- ain't bragging if it's fact, right? <laughs> well, and I, I think if we just you know look at at public figures, right? People who are well spoken, people go, oh, they're they're so brilliant, and and people yes. who aren't as well spoken who might actually be smart people are like oh they're kind of a bumbler and it's like well we're taking it off of a speech they gave not off of an iq test or you know a knowledge quiz yeah i think there's a really interesting tug there isn't there between sort of presence and polish you know uh, that we tend to give more you know you you bring up a story from the past tom for me that's very vivid I was the national, an advisor to a student organization, a national student organization, and I will never forget when they had their elections at the annual meeting for officers, and the two people who were elected were the least qualified, had the least ideas about what they were going to do, but when they stepped to the front of the room and did their little campaign speech, <laughs> everyone was riveted because they were engaging, they were alive, they were passionate, they each told a story. And then you had these other two kids who were far more talented, far more accomplished, and they got up there and didn't connect with the audience, and you know who won the election. Yeah, I learned that lesson sort of the hard way when I was a a junior in high school. I wanted to be president of the drama club. Yeah, I was that geeky kid, and (laughs) I ran against a guy who was kind of the class clown, and I tried to be all serious, and I tried to give my speech about why it should be me, and he got up and just cut it up and had fun, and and he won, and rightfully so because he was much more entertaining to be president of the drama club. However, during the the senior year, he was also one of the, the male yell leaders and was involved with a lot of stuff, and I ended up doing a lot of the work, and it the end of the year, I realized that the guy who gave the best speech got all the credit, and uh, I had better learn to give better speeches. <laughs> so my my daughter right now Great is in, <laughs> my daughter right now is in college. She's a sophomore, and and she just had emailed me that her first day of class, one of her classes was her business communication skills class, and you know she was talking about something about it, and I said, "You do realize that since your dad's a professional speaker, I expect an A in that class." And, and she's like, "That's rough, Dad." And I'm like, "Yeah, you probably don't want to tell your teacher that." And, and she said she already had. So I said, "Well, now, now, now the bar is raised. That, that's exactly right." So, Michael, you've been doing this for a long time, sort of working for yourself and creating your own path in the world. What is it that you absolutely love? about the life of an entrepreneur? It's never the same twice. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, every, every day you get a chance to go recreate and reinvent, you know, and, and while the cost of mistakes at time can be high, it, it's a learning opportunity and a chance to sort of redirect. And, and that, that just jazzes me to be able to do that. You know, I'm an idea junkie. Um, 
I love the ability to every day say, okay, how can I make this idea work for somebody? Does it fit for the organization that hired me to do this? You know, how can I make them better? How can I challenge them and me? And, 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 you know, it, it's, it's nice that, you know, you, you have the privilege of working at home a lot of the time, at least I do. And, uh, you know, we travel and I, we both know that that is less glamorous than some people think it is <laughs> <laughs> to, to say the least. But, um, you know, I, I meet friends and colleagues and, you know, uh, you run into somebody and they see my wife and I, and we're going to the movies at two o'clock in the afternoon. And they're like on a Tuesday and like, don't you work anymore? Did you retire? No. You know, that's part of what's there. So part of what I love is that freedom of life, which isn't to pretend that, you know, we don't work hard. We work very hard. But the ability to pick and choose when you do that is is one of the big appeals. Um, Yeah, a couple of years ago, I was the online host uh, for the National Speakers Association's broadcast of their conference. So it was for the people who couldn't make it to the conference. They had – uh, they broadcast the keynotes and some of the, some of the breakouts, and then myself and a uh, business partner, a woman by the name of Eliz Green, we have a company called the Conference Talk Show. And one of the things we do is is we are the online sort of talent or hosts, and we create a talk show during the breaks because the at home audience usually gets like a a screen up that just says we'll be back in a half hour. But yeah. what we did is we kept it going and we interviewed key people in the organization and, and things like that. And one of the people we were supposed to interview, one of the keynoters, got stuck with a line of people going, oh, you're so great, and didn't make it over to our booth. And so we didn't have an interview scheduled, or we had one scheduled. There was nobody sitting in the chair. And I saw one of my daughters walking by who participates in the National Speakers Association Youth Conference. And I Mm -hmm. said, oh, quick, come here, jump in the chair, let me interview you. And she looked at me like, oh, God. (laughs) And so I interviewed her about what it was like to be the kid of a professional speaker. And the first words out of her mouth, she sort of like, you know, at first she was like, no, do I have to? Do I want to? As soon as the camera goes live and I ask the question, she looks right into the camera and says, well, let me tell you. And I thought, oh, here we go. She says, you're gone a lot. And I thought, yeah. God, we're just throwing me under the bus in front of my peers. <laughs> and then she came back and said, but when you're home, you're home. So like during yes. the summer, we can go to the movies, like you said that we can go during the day or we can go out to lunch or, you know, if I forgot something, you can drive it to me. And so it was interesting that while I thought her perception was, God, dad's gone too much. Her perception was dad travels a lot, but when he's home, he is 100% home. And that is a lot of freedom that we have in, in our type of jobs. But Michael, is there ever a day where you think, oh, no, 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 no. I wish I had a nine to five. I wish I had a career. So that somebody just give me a paycheck and I wouldn't have to deal with all this. You know, Tom, I, I have to be honest. I haven't had one of those days in years. Nice. Nice. I mean, I've had days where do I really have to do this today? <laughs> but I never stop and go, gosh, I wish I had a nine to five. <laughs> so the answer to most people when I ask that question on this show, the answer I get from most people is no. A lot of people say I'm now chronically unemployable. I always laugh because I don't think I will go back to work for anybody. But I always laugh that if I ever did, I would be the best employee ever because I have gotten you know an understanding of all the BS that goes on behind the scenes of being the boss and you know having to take care of everything. And I've always said that while I'm not looking for a job, you know, I would be the I'd hug my boss every day when I left, just saying thank you for doing all the stuff I don't want to do. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting you say that, Tom, because I do have two or three people that if I wanted to get a job, they're the people I'd call because I know how well they do what you just described. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that they see their role as how can I make it easier for Michael to accomplish what I hired Michael to accomplish. So you know, they're the best kind of clients to have, and those are the people I consider working for. But uh, I, I think uh, 
when I mean, I left the academic world for one reason, Tom. Something was going to die, and I knew the bureaucracy <laughs> was not killable. I, however, was. It was going to be you. Yeah, that makes total sense. So, Michael, if someone's working in a bureaucracy and they feel that they're just overwhelmed and, and that something's going to die and it's either them or the company and the company's not going anywhere, what advice would you have for someone who wants to launch out and, and become an entrepreneur or start their own business? <laughs> the first would be from the Monty Python movie, Run Away, Run Away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, come on in the pool. The, 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 the temperature's great. Don't jump. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the first advice would be get real serious about what it means. You know, and, and I know that sounds like a platitude, but it, it's not all sun and roses. You know, it's not all days that you get to go to the movies. It's hard work. You know, I, I think the second advice is figure out what you're really good at and find a way to do that as much as you can. Because there are going to be things you have to do to get that business built that you're not going to love and you're not going to be the best at. But you can't afford to outsource or hire other people to do early on. So you have to slag your way through those things and, and you know, get them done and just keep pushing. But as long as you know you've got part of what you love to do and are really passionate about doing in the mix, you'll be okay. That lets you get it past those days that are very difficult. You know, I, I think the other thing is decide what you're not going to do. You know, I think the biggest obstacle that people face when they try to go out on their own and become a solopreneur or an entrepreneur is that – they tend to think they have to say yes to everything, and the sooner you get the guts to start saying no to the things that don't fit, the sooner you're going to have more opportunities for the things that do fit. And in, in my coaching with entrepreneurs and small business owners for years, that's the first place we usually look at. What are you doing now that you shouldn't have ever started doing? And then immediately <laughs> stop it. Because then imag magically what happens is you get more clear on what you're looking for so you know it when you see it. You know, it's kind of like, did you ever buy a new car, Tom? And then all of a sudden, in the next two to three weeks, you start, you start seeing that car everywhere. <laughs> well, the same thing happens when you get clear on who the clients are you should be serving, the people who are really your customers. When you focus on them, you see more of them because they're there. But when you're too busy just chasing the next dollar, thinking that's what's going to grow your business, you're actually making the path a lot longer to hit success. So, Michael, how important is your network if you're going to be an entrepreneur? How important are other people? Far more important than most entrepreneurs think. Tell me why. You know, I think, tell me I how. Think a Sorry. I said tell me why. Well, Tom, I think a lot of people who become entrepreneurs are, are actually relatively introverted. You know, one of the appeals to them is that they kind of get the work head down for periods of time. And as a result, they don't think about the value others bring. Now, there are exceptions, you know, but I, I think we forget about the importance of networking and connection. And the reality is, if we don't find a way to network and connect, we put a lid on how far we can go. I mean, my business, when I left the academic world, it was a networking conversation with someone that knew I was back in town because I moved back to the area I was originally from that put me in touch with five people who were the five first five clients that I brought into my business when I went full time after leaving the academic world. Hmm. Now, how did that happen? That happened because that person and I had nurtured a relationship, oddly enough, because I had been a customer of his from the time I was a teenager. And then to, to, to make it not sound so glamorous, the guy sold shoes <laughs> and 
And he was, you know, it was the shoe store that I had gone to since I was a little kid. And he said, when you move away, if you need to, need anything, let me know. Well, one day I was in an airport, you know, how bags can get lost. And I needed shoes for something that I was going to. And I said, you know, I need you to send me some shoes. I need them overnighted. He did it. So then from then on, when I needed new shoes, I just called him and he sent them to me. Now, that's how that relationship was maintained over the years. When I moved back to the area, he was the first guy I went and talked to. And he said, oh, here's, here's who's in my network that I think could use what you said you're doing. I'll call and make the introduction. So, you know, networking is important because it helps to facilitate those introductions. It's also important because it gives you a place to have safe conversations about the frustrations, the challenges, and the pain that you struggle through in building any kind of an enterprise. And thirdly, it's important because people refer people that they know, like, and trust, same as they buy from people they know, like, and trust. So having that network, I think, is powerful for those three ways and is something you should intentionally commit to developing from day one. And I think people hold back for one reason, Tom, and it goes back to where we started our conversation. They're uncomfortable with how to communicate what they're trying to do, so they're afraid to go shake hands because they don't know what to say. And I have a trick for that. Stop talking about yourself and start asking other people about themselves. You'll suddenly become the most popular person in the room at any networking event you attend. People will walk away saying you're fantastic, and most of them will have never heard anything about what you do because all you did was ask a lot of questions and listened. And you'll walk away knowing what all of them do. And that gives you incredible power in your networking. That's awesome. That's awesome advice. Hey, Michael, I got a couple more questions for you before I let you go. But first, okay. I got to thank, got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So right. this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Hey, Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Michael Hudson. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the exclusive offer they have for the listeners of this show. So Michael, I call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest and most exciting thing you're doing with your business right now? Uh, uh, Tom, the, the, the coolest thing I'm doing with my business right now is really reconnecting it to who I am and what I deeply care about. Um, I have a personal story that has some pretty significant events in it that uh, got in my way for a long time. And my comfort and recognition of the power of those stories to reveal lessons that I can help others learn from has really become very apparent to me in the last two years. And so as I'm getting more connected to who I really am and why I believe I was put on this earth in the first place and comfortable sharing my real story, warts and all, mm -hmm. I, I have found an amazing impact that it has on people that I never thought it would impact. And so for me, that's a really cool thing. You know, one of the things I loved about the academic world was the ability to see those light bulbs go off in the minds of those people you were talking to and exposing them to about things. Um, you don't get that as much sometimes in the other work that you do. But as I'm reconnecting my work and getting much more authentic, vulnerable and real in what I what I share and deliver, it's giving me more clarity on who I'm here to serve, and it's enabling me to connect with some amazing people and really see impact much more quickly. 
So to me, that's really cool. Oh, that's great. So one of the things I love to ask everybody who's here on my show is about who they see out there that they think is doing something cool. You know, I think entrepreneurs, I think we're observers. And so I love to hear the answers when I say, who is someone else, not your company, someone else out there who you think, wow, he or she, they're, they're crushing it. You know, Tom, there's there's a handful of people that came to mind when I saw that question in your prep work. That, uh, And it won't surprise you that they connect to what I just said I think is cool. There, there are a lot of people I'm seeing really getting much more authentic in what they're doing, and they're not pretending, they're not hiding, and, and they're, they're progressing and not worrying as much about polish as they are about presence and showing up. You know, an, an example of that you know, would be a guy like Brian Harris, may or may not be a lit name you're familiar with or your listeners, but Brian teaches people how to grow their email lists. You know, and if you watch Brian Harris and you follow him, he'll decide to just conduct an experiment and see what happens. And he'll share it with you step by step, warts and all, what worked, what didn't work, and what he'd do different next time. You know, I think that's incredibly powerful, and I see more and more people doing that. You know, Mike Kim is a guy that uh, I have the privilege of knowing, but I'm also amazed at the work Mike is doing. Mike's a guy who pivoted from a career, you know, in, in the more traditional business world and built his own per- built a personal brand business, you know, two or three years ago, across the past two or three years he's been doing that. Well, Mike has a podcast, and on his 100th episode, Mike did an amazing giveaway. In fact, the, the uh, payoff of that giveaway just happened yesterday because he, what he, he provided the winner a first-class ticket to New York City and put them up in a five-star hotel and spent the day with him and his team helping them map their personal brand. Hmm. I, I love that kind of connection stuff that I see more and more entrepreneurs, particularly those of us in the information-speaking type space, are doing to really deepen the connections and get real with people about what we're doing, not pretending it's magic, but recognizing it's real and we can all help one another achieve more, which yeah. is something I know you're familiar with because it's the NSA motto, right? Make a bigger pie. Right. Well, absolutely. And it's one of those things like I – one of the things I do as a speaker is every time I finish an, uh, a conference, I, I tell the meeting planner, let me refer a couple speakers to you now that I know your group because I learned this from a guy uh, who was on this show a while ago, Ross Bernstein, and he said that he knows after he gives a speech that two things are true and that is that, that association or company is going to have a conference next year and they don't want the same keynoter year after year in most cases. Yes. And so he said what he always does is he always refers – somebody into that spot. And, you know, his complaint was too many people think, oh, they might have me back next year. I better hold that that close. Well, <laughs> very few. I mean, I, I went back to like out of 50 or 60 talks last year, four of them were repeats one year out. So it's less than, you know, 10% of the people who are doing that. And so he said, go do that. And two things will happen. One is, you know, you'll show the meeting planner you care about them which means they're more likely to think about you year two or three or four down the line. And the second thing is you're going to have a whole stable of speakers who are like, oh, I owe them one. And I've started – I've been doing that for about four years and I got to tell you, Ross was right. It's the smartest thing I ever did and not looking at everybody as as the competition but really looking at that fact that we got to make this pie bigger if we're going to keep it going. Yeah. I think that's an excellent path and I I love it. It's it's something I do and started doing – completely by accident. Um, I'm thrilled to hear that others, others have found it works as well because, you know, our, our job is more, you know, the, the repeat thing, Tom, you know, I recognized that very early in when I went really full time. And one of the things I started doing, and that's how I built the niche business is creating a situation where I was in a five-year process with people that I got to come back every year. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so because, you know, I, I looked at my business much more as an expert who speaks than just a speaker. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and tied some consulting and wrapped that around. And, you know, it didn't not I'm not talking about selling a five year contract at the outset, but positioning the work is this is how long it will take us to achieve the outcomes you've defined and not artificial. Some of those were two years. Some of those were five. Uh, you know, I, I've got a couple renewed this year that one of them is actually the 13th year in a row they've renewed. <laughs> um, and I do hold that week for them. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, my last question is. What is it that you do to sort of impact the greater good? Because I think that most of us want to do more than just make money. We, we, we want to have an impact. So I love to ask people, what is it that you do for charity or to help people in some manner? Tom, I love the question, and, and I love the fact that you encourage people to focus on it. And for me, it is about young people. Um, as that kid who couldn't step up to the front of the room and who was fine in small groups but hated any time they were asked to step in front and do something different, uh, one of my core passions is making sure that kids move past the things that are in their way and don't let them do that. Now, I happen to do that through the channel of 4-H. Um, 4-H is the organization that really broke me out of the mold and helped me get past some of my fears. Although, to be honest, I, I am the guy who signed up for the public speaking contest for six consecutive years and never showed up <laughs> because I was too scared to go. But uh, ultimately, a lot of what I did there helped me get past it. So about two years ago, I started a, 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 a statewide award for the Delaware 4-H public speaking contest. Every year they have state the, the winners from each of the counties come together and they have a state contest. And so I give an award called the Vision Speaker Award, which ties together my two passions of define your vision and speak it into existence. And, and my vision longer term is to extend that award to every state in the nation so that there is an incentive to help young people learn the power and importance of creating a vision and developing that capacity to speak it so that others buy in and they're able to actually create what they're trying to create. Oh, that is fantastic. Well, Michael, I want to say thank you for sharing your journey with us and, and so many great tips and pieces of advice. Thank you for being a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If somebody wants to find you, they want to find your, your tip sheet for better speaking skills, uh, they need you as a speaker or a consultant, where in the world would somebody go to find Michael Hudson? Well, you know, Tom, the easiest place is my website. And in, and in fact, I have a special page on my website for your listeners. It's at michaelhudson.com slash cool things. I thought that was a good name. So <laughs> it's all cool. Um, so, th- only cool things for the listeners of this show. Yeah. And there, and there, there actually are three, three freebies there for them. One is the, is my 52 speaker secrets, uh, ebook, which is 52 sort of two to three sentence tips about how you can increase your impact when you step to the front of the room. The, uh, second is a template that's for planning speeches. It's a speech planning template built around a framework that I use, which is designing presentations, developing and delivering. And design, Tom, is more about the environment and the outcome you're seeking, not really about how you design the slides and how you develop and and deliver. And so that template will give people the tool to work through that. And, you know, there's also an option there if they should, someone has listened and seen, heard something they'd be interested in pursuing further. Uh, they can quickly click that button and connect with me, and we'll have a conversation about uh, how I can help them with whatever it is they're trying to do. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And, and again, thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. We say it every week. If it wasn't for the listeners, there'd be no show. Hey, check us out on Facebook. We have a Facebook page for Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Follow us on Twitter, at Cool Podcast, because this is the Cool Podcast. And then if you're interested in joining the group coaching program, the Cool Things Project, 
We're having a lot of fun. We've gotten a, a really strong group of people, and we get together uh, a couple times a month uh, on a little Zoom hangout, and we share what's going on and hold each other accountable and challenge each other. And uh, we have a couple people in there who are our speakers, a couple of people who work in a person who works in PR, someone who works in the hotel industry. It's a diverse group, but when you get a bunch of really smart people together, you really end up with some really interesting results. So you can find out the information about joining the Cool Things Project at TomSinger.com. Just go to the About button. You'll see a thing that says Group Coaching Program, and it'll tell you right there everything you've ever wanted to know about it and more. Hey, thanks for everybody for tuning in. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Michael Hudson. But in the meantime, I challenge you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.